Hello everyone, this is your pod pastor, Sophia Suk, and you're listening to Queer Mystical Jesus. Today is Palm Sunday, and our latest episode is called Making an Ass Out of Empire Since 33 CE. That's right. Um, I love Palm Sunday because it's the weirdest holiday, one of the weirdest holidays. There's lots of weird things about Christianity uh, and the holidays that we celebrate, but Palm Sunday is the weirdest one. It's the most awkward one. It's the one that makes the least sense, as in, what are we celebrating and how are we supposed to feel about it? What are we celebrating and how are we supposed to feel about it? And I've had this uh, weird association with Palm Sunday ever since I was a kid growing up in church because, um, well, first I have to tell you a story. Because the first kind of feeling that I have associated with Palm Sunday is awkwardness, okay? Uh, And then as I got older into middle school, the next feeling I have in association with this holiday is, why is this a holiday? It's it's like like, confusing, makes no sense. Um, If you think about it, Christmas is making mistakes. Christmas doesn't make much sense either, but because it's like it's Jesus' birthday, but parents give this, their gifts to you, but not to Jesus. But Jesus, it, it's weird. It's weird. So let's go back to my first association with this holiday. I remember when I was in elementary school, uh, it was like summer break or something like that, or was it spring break? I don't even know, because it had to have been spring, because Palm Sunday's in spring every year. So I was at my friend's house, and we both visited this big church in the neighborhood, and because I think our parents kind of, I don't know, they, they wanted to go off and do their own thing. Uh, so they dropped us off at this church, uh, and we so we went. Uh, we didn't know anybody in the classroom. It was like this old lady teacher um, who, you know, was doing her best to teach the kids. And the Bible story was, you know, now that I think about it, I think it was during summer because we were on summer break. So I, I think the church was doing a vacation Bible school or something like that. So anyway, we went there for a day. And we're sitting there like... Me and my friend were the only ones that know each other, and uh, all the other kids are strangers. This lady is a stranger to us. We we don't go, at least for me. I You know what? I think it was her church. Yeah, that that's the connection. They wouldn't just send us to a church, like, randomly. Um, so it was her church, um, but I, I, I think all the kids and even the teacher was basically a stranger to my friend as well. So same thing for her, I guess. So it was, it was a strange church. Not like it was a weird church, but like unfamiliar, <laughs> unfamiliar to us. So we're sitting there and the Bible story happens to be, now here's the thing, here's the thing that'll trip you up. The, 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 you know, like every Bible story has its little name, this little title. And if you ever flip open a Bible, it has these, you know, each section has a little subheading, right? 
Um, don't read that out loud if you're ever reading the, reading the Bible out loud. Like, some audio Bibles do this. It annoys me to no end. That's not part of the text. You're not supposed to read that. That's just for easy modern reference, okay? Ugh, plus, it kills the flow. Jeez. Also, like, some audio Bibles, they, they like, stop the flow, and they're, like, mid-sentence, and they go, chapter 5. Like, don't do that. That's not part of the Bible, either. Anyway. So, subheadings. In most English translations of the Bible, the subheading reads, The Triumphal Entry. The Triumphal Entry. Or the Triumphant Entry. Jesus enters Jerusalem triumphantly, and, and that's where things fall apart. So anyway, let, let's backtrack. backtrack. So that's the Bible story that was assigned to that lady to teach us that day, so... You know, you know, she told us, oh, this is Palm Sunday. We're going to cut out. The story goes, Jesus rode in on a donkey into Jerusalem. He was greeted by the people as the new king. So they waved palm branches. And she didn't, I'm not sure she explained to us what the heck they were, which is odd because Los Angeles is littered with palm trees. Yes, probably a different, uh, different type than the ones in Israel. 2,000 years ago, but still, still a freaking palm tree. She could have said, see those trees right out the window. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what the heck a palm tree is. Sort of the waving palm branches, okay. And she brings out this green, you know those old, like, construction paper, like green papers, like the color of Kermit the Frog skin, and like almost the same texture. You wonder, is like, is this even paper? It's gross. So she makes us trace out like a palm tree leaf pattern, and she has cutouts. And for some reason, she had one cutout. I don't know why. You'd figure you'd have all the kids make one just to occupy their time, and you know, I don't know. Anyway, so she had she she explained the story to us. The people gather around Jesus. He's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. They're waving the palm branches and they're shouting Hosanna. Hosanna, and like that, I think that was the first time I heard that phrase, Hosanna. And God, it sounded corny as hell. <laughs> it sounded so dorky. Hosanna, like, what the heck is this? You know, um, as a matter of fact, every year I have to think about what that phrase means. Oh, I think it meant God save us, right? It's a Hebrew phrase meaning God save us, but it, it, it kind of turned into like a similar meaning to when we say long live the king, right? So they're basically saying Jesus is king. Again, this is confusing because it's like he's, he's not a king. He's a peasant. He's riding him on a donkey's colt, meaning a baby donkey at that. Um, it's weird. It's very strange. And Bible movies are going to make it even more confusing. But we'll get back to that. So Waving Palm Branches, yay! So she explains the story to us. And she explains what happens. She doesn't explain the meaning of the story. So we're all just left there like confused. Like, I don't get it. Because we're not stupid. We've seen Disney movies. We know what a king looks like. And Jesus riding in on a donkey with people waving palm branches for some reason. That's not what we do for kings, you know? Um, 
But anyway, that's how the story goes. So after uh, telling us the little stupid, uninspiring story, she she passes around, around this one paper palm tree leaf, and she goes, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass around this paper palm tree leaf. You're going to hold it up, you're going to wave it, and you're going to say, Hosanna. And we're all like, what? This is dorky. But, you know, we're kids. So the first kid takes the paper branch and waves and says, Hosanna. Teacher's like, yay, good job. And it's, and it, and this, and the next kid does it, the next kid does it, and it's getting closer and closer and closer to me and my friend. And I'm dreading this. I'm like, hell no, I'm not doing this. This is corny as hell. This is dorky. I'm not a dork. So it comes to my friend first, and she refuses. She's like, I ain't doing this shit. <laughs> not in so many words, but you know, like, it's the same expression. So the teacher's like, okay, you don't have to do it. And so the teacher looks at me. My friend passes on the paper uh, palm branch to me. And I'm like, I ain't doing this shit either. <laughs> this is corny as hell. So we both pass. And the lesson continued and my memory stops there. I remember this because it was embarrassing. I felt embarrassed for me. I felt embarrassed for my fellow kids. <laughs> I felt embarrassed for the teacher, the poor teacher. I felt bad for for refusing her request. I felt awkward for her. And I felt awkward for Jesus. Because Jesus, it's called the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So it's his triumphal entry into Jesus as king, but he looks nothing like one. And they're waving palm branches. Now, I'm sure there was symbolic meaning there for them. Uh, but not to us. To us, it's like, we ain't never seen that in any Disney movie. No, no. That's not how you treat a king. That's not how you treat royalty. So, if you look at the story, everything is ass backwards. Okay, literally, he's riding on an ass. And it's called The Triumphal Entry. As a kid, I used to love watching movies. I loved Bible movies. Bible movies are great. Uh, they give you visual context to what the people might have worn, what kind of foods the people might have eaten. And, you know, most of these movies are... Actually, I think a lot of the movies that were made in the 70s were, 70s were done by major film studios. So anyway... They're done really well for that time. So they're pretty reliable, pretty accurate for that time. You know, nothing much changed in 2,000 years of archaeology, history, all that. Anyway, so it's a good tool. It's a good exposure to help you imagine what things must have been like. But here's the thing. When those old Bible movies and those Jesus movies, when they, even, even current Jesus movies, if they depict... This scene, where a week before Jesus' crucifixion, he enters into Jerusalem on a donkey. People are waving palm branches. They're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're basically declaring him king. They're shouting, long live the king, long live the king. And these are our people who have been occupied under under Roman rule. And there's, you know, the, the you're supposed to say there's, there's no king but Caesar. Uh... <laughs> Uh, 
And it's supposed to, so it's called the triumphal entry. But the problem is, so, so, so these movies, they portray this like, they play this choral music. It's majestic and, oh, you know, and Jesus is smiling and waving like some freaking prom, prom queen or something. And the people are cheering and kids are running up alongside Jesus and the donkey is neighing and, you know, they don't show it in the movie, but it's probably pooping and, uh, it's, the music doesn't fit the scene, you guys. It's a freaking donkey. It's a bunch of peasants. They're not rolling out the red carpet for him. It says they put, put out their tunics, their clothing on the, on the ground for the donkey to walk on. And they lay down the palm branches for the donkey to walk on. So yes, there's deeper theological meaning, there's cultural symbolism here, but just on its surface, if you're really going to capture what the authors of the gospel were trying to capture, you can't be playing majestic choral music, and you can't write a subheading that says triumphal entry, because you're you'd be missing the point. What the original authors were trying to get across was our king, who's not a real king, our king who is a peasant, uh, a total blue-collar worker, made his living through carpentry and masonry, piss poor, um, we're saying he's the king, and we know he's not a king. So we have we, we have this peasant teacher calling him king, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, you know, Hosanna to the son of David, son of David was a royal title saying the tr meaning the true king of Israel. And we don't have him riding on a white stallion. We don't have red carpet for him. We just have our clothes. We have palm branches and he's riding in on an ass. On a donkey. And it's a ridiculous sight. It's a ridiculous sight. And we have proof that this was a ridiculous sight in that cultural context. Not because we watched movies like Shrek that we think the donkey is a ridiculous animal. No, no, no. 2,000 years ago, they found graffiti. Uh, uh, most likely done by Roman soldiers, where they're making fun of crucified victims, they're making fun of Christianity, and they have graffiti, like, chiseled into stone on the walls and stuff. And one of them, one of those graffitis depicts a man crucified with a donkey head. A stick figure man crucified with a donkey head. And that was their way of making fun of crucified victims. Meaning, who the hell do these people think they are that they can rise against the Roman Empire? It was also making fun of Christianity because they're following a dead king whom they say is now alive. And this is the same dude that rode in on an ass. And got his ass kicked by the Roman Empire and got crucified. So it's a ridiculous scene. 
It should not be called the triumphal entry. It should be called the ridiculous entry. It should be called... It, it, and uh, uh, you should not be playing choral music next to it or with it. You should be playing like a Benny Hill song. You know? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous on so many different layers. And that's the fun part. If you're looking at this from the point of view of just the everyday person, you know, just your everyday well-to-do person. You know, you, you're rich enough to take your family out to eat. And yes, believe it or not, they had restaurants back then. Uh, you're rich enough to go to the Roman baths. Uh, you're rich enough to own a house and you got some slaves or servants. In other words, you're, you're the average metropolitan person. Caesar is your god and king. Um, and you're looking at this wannabe messiah, this wannabe savior that happens to, you know, that, that tends to come along every once in a while. That, you know, one of these crazy Jewish people that says, oh, I'm the savior, I'm the king, whatever. And they all end up the same way. Some rebel with swords, but they're crushed quickly by the, by the mighty Roman army. Some are more ridiculous, like this Jesus movement here. Oh, we're going to love everyone to death, basically. Put your sword away. No killing. We're going to love people to death. <laughs> so it's one of those ridiculous scenes. And so, yeah, it's, it's completely ridiculous. And you're going to laugh at them. You're going to laugh at this wannabe messiah and say, oh, here comes another one. Here comes another one. I wonder what's going to happen to this guy. You know, perfect timing to, to show this, you know, open rebellion and declaration. Ooh, I'm the king. <laughs> Bad timing. You know, this is high holy days for the Jewish people. This is when the Romans are kind of on edge. And this is when, uh, you know, lots of symbolism happening and... The, the city is crowded with Jewish people from all over the known world, just crowding in for Passover, and it's like a powder keg in there, and it's bad timing to do political theater like this. Because this guy, whoever this guy is, is going to get crushed. And he does get crushed. He gets crucified. In other words... Jesus, by riding in on a donkey, declaring, or rather allowing the people to declare him king, gets himself crucified. Therefore, you know how every celebrity, they go on a talk show and they're like, oh great, this is going to turn into a meme? That's what Jesus does. He turns himself into a meme. He gives the the, the Romans a new meme Basically, a crucified man with a donkey head. You know, Jesus creates a meme out of himself. So, from the point of view of the everyday metropolitan person, this is the most ridiculous sight you've ever seen. So, why is this a holiday? And why are you playing reverent choral music? 
why is this so like how are you supposed to like christmas you're supposed to be happy and joyful and romantic and family and nostalgic and and hot butter beer tastes like christmas i love hot butter beer you know easter is like spring new awakening yay and wear white and brand new clothes and you know easter brunch and family and but 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 palm sunday that's a weird holiday we're not even sure what it's about it's a day when Jesus basically made a fool of himself. And, and it's one of the catalysts that got him killed. Because he was letting the people call him king. And more sensible people, the ruling class of the subjugated people of Rome, right? The, the, the Jewish leaders, they come to Jesus and like tell, and, and they're like, uh, Jesus, you gotta tell your people to shut the hell up right now, uh, because this is high holy days and the, the Romans are on edge because they always think this is the time when we're gonna cause a stupid military, like a, like a, like a rebellion thing happening. And they're like looking for an excuse to crush us and kill us. And you need to tell your people to stop shouting Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You need to tell your people to, uh, stop shouting, blessed is the son of David code word for king but tell you people to shut the hell up or we're going to make you and Jesus says fine tell them to shut up but if they are silent even these rocks will cry out blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord right so Jesus is almost like egging on the sensible people in the room. Yeah. You know, growing up in church and Sunday school, you're taught, oh, they're the enemies of Jesus. But when, think about it. Being adult here, the, 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 the leaders at the time, they're the ones that are being sensible. They're trying to say, we don't want to start no shit with the Roman Empire, okay? Because we don't have all the power here. We're living under their thumb. And we don't want them to think that we've got another wannabe Messiah on our hands. So Jesus, tell your people to calm down. And he is having none of it. He's egging them on. In other words, he's saying, I know this is political theater. I know this is offensive to the Romans because I'm basically making an ass out of rulership. I'm making an ass out of emperor. I'm making an ass out of empire. I'm making fun of the whole freaking thing by riding in on an ass, letting peasants call me king, and I'm encouraging them. And I know that not only could this be perceived as open rebellion against Rome, but it could also be seen as me ridiculing the emperor. This could be me telling the emperor what I really think of the puppet king that he set up for our people. This could be read by the Romans as me making fun of the emperor. Because that's what we do, right? 
when we are under the thumb of oppressive rulers, what do sensible people do? People who are powerless, we create satire. Anybody heard of Randy Rainbow on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and all that, right? He was doing the only thing he knew to do. And we, a lot of us, latched onto that. And we found our sanity in his satire. Because he was making fun of the ones who were ruling and oppressing and making life miserable for us. And so here is Jesus riding in on an ass with political theater, making a complete ass out of the ruling class. Jesus through symbolism, through action, saying, this is what I think about your power, Caesar. And this is what I think about the puppet king that you have set up for our people. And this is what I think about our own rulers who are kowtowing to this false system, to this system of oppression that they've become complacent with. And I'm going to offend everybody. I'm going to offend the puppet king. I'm going to offend the ruling class. I'm going to offend Caesar himself. I'm going to offend the world order as it is. I'm going to offend religious sensibilities. I'm going to offend the sensibilities of the rich and the well-to-do who are not bothered by the current arrangement. I'm going to dare to give hope to the poor and downtrodden who literally believe that I'm going to be king who are going to later turn on me because they're disappointed when I, when in their eyes I let them crucify me, when I let myself become a political prisoner, when I let myself become a, 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 a political execution. What happened to this man who stopped the storm, who walked on the waters, who opened the eyes of the blind, who made the lame walk, who made the deaf hear and the blind see, who raised the dead back to life. Wasn't he going to raise an army? Weren't we going to be part of his army? And wasn't he going to topple the empire and become the true king? And how come he's sitting in front of the governor's judgment seat and he's silent before his accusers and why is he letting himself be crucified and now we're all going to be crucified because he's our leader we thought he was going to be our king and he's letting himself be crucified so they all turn on him so knowing that he was going to offend every single one foe and ally and everyone Meaning he was going to turn the whole world upside down through this one political act of theater, of satire, of meme making. The crucified man with the donkey's head, making an ass out of everything and everyone, every stakeholder. What kind of holiday is this? It's a weird holiday. That's what it is. It's a weird holiday. Yeah, in retrospect, I guess we could still call it the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. 
Because spiritually he triumphs, especially in light of the resurrection, which we're going to get to next week. But this week, let's not think about that yet. Let's think about the absurdity of it all. Let's think about the, the, the kind of sad nature of it all. Let's think about the powerlessness of this Jesus movement. And let's think about how powerful and corrupt that Jesus movement became in 20th and 21st century America and every other country in which evangelicalism has taken a cultural hold. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, you know, messed up. I am transgender. I am queer. And for 30 years of my life, I didn't know that. Why? Because I was taught to suppress my feelings. And I was taught to view queer people as, quote-unquote, the enemy. And therefore, I was taught to hate myself. What's worse is I was taught to not recognize... not. I was taught to not recognize myself in other queer people. Because I was taught to hate. I was taught to fear. I was taught to pity. That's the legacy of American evangelicalism. Just one part of it for me. Yes, there are lots of positive things, you know, the charismatic movement. Uh, I, I still consider myself a charismatic, you know, Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, all that wonderful. It's, it's amazing. But, you know, in the past four or five years, the shit has really hit the fan. It really has. It really has. Because the stakeholders and the power movers, the leaders of this movement, they showed their true hand about five years ago that they didn't care about the poor they didn't care about the widow and the orphan they only cared about power yeah they showed their racist nature they showed their sexist nature and they showed that their God was not Christ that their savior was power and money and not the humble king who rode in on a donkey instead of upending the system they wanted to be part of the system instead of ridiculing and overturning and making powerless Empire's power to oppress the poor and needy. They uh, started to uh, do insider trading and worse. 
they traded their Christ for for an, not the, if you still believe there is the Antichrist coming. My stance is, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if a literal Antichrist arises. Neither would I be surprised if there is no such thing as the Antichrist. But we know for certain from the New Testament letters, where John says, the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well with us now. Meaning any ruler or leader whose principles are anti-Jesus, are anti-Christ, not, not meaning, oh, I don't like Jesus, meaning you're anti-everything that Jesus stood for, then you're operating in the spirit of anti-Christ. Yeah. So what is this holiday about? It's about rebellion against the anti-Christ spirit. It's about rebellion against the abusive powers. It's about rebellion against the rich who would abuse the poor. It's about rebellion against the powerful who abuse the powerless. It's about ridiculing empire and declaring that ultimately empires will fall and it is the humble king who truly rules with benevolence and love through love expressed in life-giving sacrifice the way that a parent would the way that a lover would sacrifice their own if it came to it to save the one they love. In other words, in a loveless world, Jesus was saying, let's bring the love. And that's going to look like satire. That's going to look like pissing off everyone who are loveless. But we got to do it. <laughs> we got to do it. If it turns, if that action of, of rescuing others, if that action of reaching out to the poor, if that action of standing up against oppression, if that causes yourself to turn into a meme for the ages, so be it. So be it. At least you're gonna make an ass out of empire. And we've been doing it since the year of our Lord, 33. <laughs> so, Palm Sunday. Uh, yeah, it's not about being a dork. <laughs> it's about being a rebel. It's about being a rebel. It's about being a rebel. <laughs>